for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at TNTradio.live. In a secret lab somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. Now you listen here. He's a very naughty boy. TNT Radio. Now go away. Okay, it's uh, all good here in the uh, proverbial TNT hood. This is Locked and Loaded. This is TNT Radio. We are beaming at you live from our studio, our nerve center, if you will, in the Gold Coast in Australia. I'm Rick Munn. I'm going to be joined this hour by Gemma Cooper, uh, poor old Rob Hutchinson, uh, my old chum from South Africa who runs Deer SA, the Deer South Africa website. He was due to join me, uh, but unfortunately he has fallen foul of the notorious South African load shedding arrangements so therefore his power is extremely intermittent so he couldn't guarantee that he would have internet and power connection with me this morning so hopefully uh the week after next i'm going to get rob back on there and have a little end of year roundup about what's happening uh, down at the tip of uh, the African continent. Uh, during the course of this art, Gemma and I are going to be talking. She's going to be with me uh, up until the half hour mark uh, today, which is great. Uh, just after our normal news, uh, ad break at 20 past, she's going to hang around until half past, which is fantastic. I prefer talking to people rather than talking at people, believe it or not. So uh, I'm really glad about that. Uh, just to make you aware, if you haven't already done so, we have an app. It's available on the App Store and also the Google Play Store. You can connect with us on that on your listening device of choice. Some people uh, prefer to be listening because obviously if you're out and about or you're working, uh, you haven't got time to sit down and maybe watch what's going on at the minute. Uh, you can just listen in as normal. But of course, we do now have our live streaming service that's available on all the major streaming platforms. So Odyssey, uh, Rumble, uh, Facebook, Twitter, everything, even our website. We have a little uh, homepage, tntradio.live. You can go on there and halfway down that homepage, you'll see a little uh, embedded link through to our YouTube live uh, stream service. So please do that. And of course, you can share the links for that with other people and uh, spread the word uh, through any groups or things that you're in. Even though this week, uh, earlier on, I advocated that you leave all social media groups. But if you're adamant that you must stay in them, at least use them to promote the one and only TNT radio. So uh, what's happening in the world at the minute? Well, we talked last year, or last year, yeah, we talked last year and last week and this week about the cost of living and Christmas. And a lot of people are under pressure at the moment, especially coming up to Christmas if the kids, you know, I want this, I want that. And, you know, you feel a duty occurs apparent. A lot of people buy under pressure, spending money that they don't have for things that their kids aren't really going to use. And most of it is being funded by credit or it's, you know, it's debt that parents are taking on or, or a parent is taking on to provide for their kids or buy presents for their families at Christmas. So figures are in at the minute uh, from America. Now, this is coming up in and around the Black Friday event that happened last week. So record holiday spending. There's been record spending, despite the fact that there's a cost of living crisis. Uh, so you might say, well, that's a good sign, isn't it? The, uh, the economy is recovering. Not necessarily. Uh, just one problem. Consumers use buy now and pay later schemes to spend, check this out, $7.3 billion dollars just from the 1st of November to the 26th of November, a rise of 14% 
on what was spent over the equivalent period last year. Think about that. There's a cost of living crisis. Uh, the price of uh, your, your daily groceries is going up. Oil, gas, electricity, you name it, everything is going up. Wages are not going up to make up for that. But yet uh, $7.3 billion was spent by Americans from the 1st to the 26th of November. And most of that went on to buy now, pay later schemes. Now that could have been a credit card. It could have been a, a finance program through maybe an electrical goods purchase. I don't know, but most of it was on tick, as they say here in Northern Ireland, which means uh, you weren't paying for it with money that you'd saved up. You were, you're now paying for it over the next 12 months to two years to three years at an exorbitant rate of interest. So the extra spending is not necessarily a good sign. In fact, it's grim because it's mostly fueled by debt. Now, one last thing here, uh, Nottingham City Council, uh, speaking about bankruptcies and debt, Nottingham City Council in the UK has declared itself effectively bankrupt, meaning it will stop spending other than services it must provide by law. So bankruptcy is not just something that happens to you know an individual. Uh, uh, well, it is, but it can also happen to businesses. They can go bust. Huge businesses can go bust. And in the case of the UK, we're seeing council after council effectively declaring themselves bankrupt. So Nottingham City Council is the next one to do that. A recent report said the Labour-run council was set for a £23 million overspend in the 2023 to 2024 financial year, an overspend of £23 million, and they're going bust. They can only now provide services that they're duty-bound to by law. So it's coming to Nottingham. We've seen it in Birmingham. We're seeing it uh, around about Leicester. So it's only a matter of time before this mismanagement hits you and you're the council ratepayer. You're going to be impacted by this, whether you like it or not. So that's just some uh, festive misery coming up for councils around the UK this year. So please don't go away. I'm going to be right back with Gemma Cooper here on TNT Radio. The facts, no spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies, we need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, whatever happened to good old-fashioned budgeting, eh? Whatever happened to, uh, if you want something, you save up for it and you buy it, okay? It might take a little bit longer. You might have to do without for a little bit longer, but at least when you come to make that purchase... Okay, you don't have to sign a form. You don't have to get a guarantor. You don't have to spread payments out over three years. You don't have to uh, pay 30% interest on top of the price. What happened to good old-fashioned saving? Is that a dying art, do you think, in the main? I think you're absolutely right. And it's only a couple of generations ago, or even one generation ago for somebody mm -hmm. of my age, you know, that my granny, she was a big like, oh, you've got to save up for things, mm -hmm. Gemsy. You must save mm -hmm. up for things. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. And she was really, really, she really installed that into me, um, as did my mum. And then suddenly, I, when I went to university here in the UK, the whole student loan concept was launched back in mm -hmm. the 1990s. And that like sets you up for a life of debt-based slavery because it, you normally, they normally, normalize it now and they're even talking about having loans for babies aren't they when you're born and, and that is a thing so you're born into debt and then the debt slavery keeps you in the fiscal system uh, it's just so normalized in our culture and obviously because we're so well programmed into our egos from a young age and we we are taught to compete and and how to how to raise your status above another human being rather than being equal to another human being and one way to do that is through possessions isn't it and and mm. your house and your car 
are and what type of shoes you wear and trainers you've got mm. and the latest gadgets. That's a way of elevating your ego above other people. Unfortunately, the ego can never be satisfied and that the elites running our system, they know that. So you constantly want more, constantly want more. You're constantly looking for gratification and never getting it because the ego is a void that can never be filled. So it's it's, it's a spiritual um, debt as well as a material debt that we find ourselves in, in our culture, um, because we're living in the wrong part of ourselves. We should be living in our heart and our souls and our consciousness, consciousness not our egos. Right. But it's a program. It's a program that we're right. in. So budgeting is a lost art, and it doesn't escape anyone's attention that we're not right. taught these things in school. We're not taught how to grow our own food and cook nutritious meals or budget. And these are life skills. We're taught weird algebra and stuff that's completely abstract and, and left-brained and there's no use at all in the world. Right. But again, that's not by accident. That is by design. So we can get it back. And I think more and more people are realizing that and, and trying to move away, at least trying to pay off credit cards. Some people have just stopped completely and said, bring it on. It's an unsecured debt. What are you going to do? The trouble is when you take on the mortgage companies and the car companies, it can get very stressful. But I have heard of success stories of people winning and just saying to the bailiffs, you're not welcome in my property, please leave. So it does seem there is a kickback now worldwide against the debt-based slavery system, which we're all in. Do you know what, though? You see, let's let's assume everybody does turn into a nation of savers today. Let's let's give the positive uh, slant on this and the benefit of debt. Let's say we get rid of all credit cards, we get rid of all uh, debt purchases, and we all do save up for things. There's another thing uh, people have or can have called buyer's remorse, okay? So that means you have saved up for something for a long time, maybe a lot of money, and you go out and you splurge on something. And then after you've splurged on it, you realize, hang on a minute, I don't really need this. I didn't really want this. It was just an impulse buy maybe, or I just wanted to treat myself. One case in particular, I remember I used to deal with an old butcher, God bless him, he's now dead. Uh, his name was Trevor, but he saved up. He had a lot of money and uh, he decided to buy a new Mercedes one day. He was 65. He said, you know what? The money's just sitting in the bank. I've worked hard for it. I'm going to go out and going to buy something. And he bought a new Merc. And I remember going into his house and said, that's a really nice car. And he says, you know what? I hate the damn thing. I wish I'd never bought the damn thing. It was just because I had the money there. I felt I had to spend it. And the salesman was good and the brochure looked good. And now I have the keys of this thing. And yes, it's nice. And yes, it's wonderful. And yes, it's a good car. But I didn't really want the damn thing. He says, if I could just turn back time, I would have never bought the thing in the first place. So that's another thing to bear in mind. A lot of people are succumbing to purchases of things that they don't really need, excess stuff that they don't really need, even if they have saved up for it. And again, that's the power of marketing, is it not? And peer pressure, keeping up with the Joneses or the, the Kennedys, as was the case in this fella's, <laughs> in this fella's house. Well, exactly. You just hit the nail on the head. But we're, as I say, it's all down to programming from a very, very, very young age about like looking better than other people. It's a horrible place to be because you're never satisfied with it. And your story illustrates that perfectly. It sounds like a lovely car, but he didn't really like it. And he probably it sounds there as well. The buyer's remorse is that you're angry at yourself for being duped. And also neural pathways, once they're created in the brain, are very, very difficult to break. You know, they, you have to really focus on creating new habits and new neural pathways. And so many people in the Western world regard shopping as a, a hobby. You know, Saturday, right, we go to the shopping center. We go to these cathedrals of consumption. We go to the mall. Well, I don't. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure a lot of TNT no. listeners don't. But a lot of people do still. It's regarded as a pastime, a valid pastime. Whereas two generations ago, you only went to the shops when you needed something. Now it's not about need, it's about want. I want, I want. Yeah. Well, yeah, that has to be, that's a difficult thing to combat, actually. It's an addiction. 
It is. It is. And, uh, you know, I think we all fall foul of it. Supermarkets aren't stupid either. They know how to position stuff around the tills, you know, while you're standing, milling around, waiting to get through the till. You see those bars of chocolate at eye level or whatever it is, magazines or those little trinkets that you can buy, a little treat for you, a little treat for the kids, a little treat for your friends. And all of a sudden, then you start adding items into your basket, just milling around out of boredom while you're waiting to get out uh, of the supermarket. So that's something uh, definitely for mine. Uh, You have a story here for us um uh we'll look at it now and in fact we might even expand on it a little bit after uh the ad break but uh tragic patient deaths uh in the uk expose england's worst any crisis check your nearest hospital so is this what we're gonna have to do now we're gonna have to literally say okay i have to go in it's not good but should we check first to see if our hospitals high up the league table of excess deaths is that the point that we've got to now Well, it does rather seem like it, Rick. I mean, I've been talking about the National Health Service here in the UK uh, for the last two weeks. We're heading into the winter period. Today, I don't know about where you are, but certainly here I am on the west coast of England. It is the coldest day so far in the UK and the NHS is once again bracing itself for the worst winter crisis ever. It seems to be doing that every single year. But I've been talking uh, about the state of the health service and it shows, uh, again, what we seem to have forgotten about the last three and a half years. So we've got record waiting lists now of 8 million, nearly 8 million. We've got um, the government refusing to give the £1 billion bailout to the NHS, which it asked for uh, a few weeks ago to help cope with industrial action from doctors. And also um, online appointments, it was revealed this week, are causing a huge amount of misdiagnoses and death because online appointments aren't the same as face-to-face, but you can't get in now to see your GP face-to-face. So the NHS is obviously (laughs) rapidly declining. Um, And the report out today is about the accident and emergency departments and saying how many of them now in the UK are just completely inadequate or failing. Um, The Care Quality Commission here looked at uh, 197 uh, NHS unit Mm. trusts Uh, And 106 of them were just basically inadequate or required significant improvement. Um, Some of the horrible case studies that have come out of this report, it said one A&E department misdiagnosed sepsis, which is a horrible condition, which most often does lead to death. One A&E department had 16 ambulances, all with patients in, queuing outside to get in. They couldn't even get in. One um, had a child on a recess trolley for six hours. On, on their own before eventually being sent to another hospital down the road to the children's ward. One elderly patient with a fractured hip, which is very, very painful, waited three hours in an ambulance. And most shocking of all, um, staff at one A&E department didn't follow up on a child with serious injuries, which had been caused by child abuse. So that's some of the things that we're looking at here. And the reason I bring it up, I don't want to depress everybody in, in the UK relying on the NHS, but have we not forgotten the mantra of three and a half years ago? protect the NHS, protect the NHS. That was one of the big sticks they used to beat an entire population um, to stay indoors, wear masks that we were talking about at the other top of the hour, which have now been proven in the COVID inquiry were, were useless. Um, and But it was protect the NHS, wasn't it? Protect the NHS. We must protect the NHS. We must, we must. Well, we're not protecting it now. So again, it is kind of an illustration that everything we were told over the last three and a half years was an utter crock of lies. And that's the most polite way of saying it on the radio. And yeah. um, and and if you're un- unlucky enough now to be ill, need a doctor or God forbid, slip over on the ice this winter, it's very icy today and break your ankle and need to go to A&E, it wouldn't hold out much hope that you're actually going to get treated. And the figures show that for every patient waiting more than 12 hours on an A&E trolley, which is now the norm, 
um, that for every 72 patients waiting on a trolley, one will die. So God help that you're not that 72nd patient because it's not looking good for the NHS no, now. It's it's definitely not. And that mantra, that's another, we're talking about the power of advertising. And, you know, even if you save up for something, the advertisers can get you to make impulse buys and people can tempt you into credit cards to buy things that you don't want. Things stick in your mind. And you're talking about to protect the NHS. That mantra, remember, stay home protect lives, save the NHS. That was just drilled into us, you know, incessantly for the period of what, at least two years, every single day, everywhere you turned, it was the same bus shelters. And I mean, like people would say, well, I don't watch the mainstream media. I didn't get exposed to it. It was in every bus shelter. Uh, it was on radio programs. It was on the front and back pages of newspapers at one stage. They were just drilling this mantra home. And even if you went to work, which I still did at that point in time, we were getting messages through from our, you know, health and safety department, stay home, save the NHS, protect lives. Unfortunately, it's one of those things that sticks in your mind. I don't think we'll ever get rid of it uh, out of our subconscious, but uh, that's just the power of advertising and marketing. Uh, I've got to take a quick break. When we come back, I have a few other things here that I would like to discuss with you. So please don't go away. This is uh, TNT Radio. We'll be right back. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I, I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Listen. Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, uh, we're coming at you live today, and let me double check. It is Thursday. Can you believe it's Thursday already? The 30th of November. Tomorrow is the 1st of December, and we are properly into the run-up to Christmas. This is uh, Locked and Loaded. We are live. This is TNT Radio. I'm Rick Munn and Gemma. 
Gemma Trooper. Yes, she's been renamed. She's not a Cooper. She's a, Cooper's a barrel maker. She's a trooper because she's ready to dive into the fray at the drop of a hat and do the business. So uh, she's uh, still here with me now. And we're going to look at a story uh, very briefly here. This is one that caught my eye when we were talking in the last hour with Natalie about cancer research, a charity that's looking for more money. Show me a charity that doesn't have enough money. They don't exist. They're always looking for more and more and more. Some of them are doing a great job. Uh, I can't take that away from some charities out there. They're providing fantastic service, doing a great job. Other charities, uh, you would certainly question how they appropriate their funds, what the money's going towards, how the money's being spent, the director's salaries, and so on and so forth. There's one here in uh, Ireland, Gemma, uh, called the Peter McVeary Trust. It's a crisis-hit housing charity, and it's to get nearly €4 million Euro per month in a taxpayer-funded bailout between now and next March in in order to continue providing housing and homelessness services. So the cabinet or the Irish cabinet has signed off on a 15 million euro emergency funding package on an exceptional basis for the stricken charity on Tuesday following a proposal by housing minister, minister Dara O'Brien. So four million a month for the next four months, roughly, to keep a homelessness charity functioning, whilst I'm glad they'll still be providing a service. Surely questions need to be asked, Gemma. How the hell can a charity need running expenses of €4 million Euro per month just to keep the doors open? And why is it hitting now at arguably the worst time of the year for homelessness, which is Christmas? In Ireland, uh, is there not some questions you need to be asked about how the funds are being uh, appropriated or uh, the balance books or where the money's going to or how they racked up this amount of debt? Uh, surely questions need to be asked about this. Absolutely. And I just want to clarify that I heard you right there, actually, Rick. That, so it's, it's, the, it's the government, the housing department bailing out the charity. Is that correct? Correct. It's the government, uh, the taxpayer, the Irish taxpayer's money is going towards bailing out this uh, charity. It's called the Peter McVeary Trust. They're to get 15 million euro emergency funding package, which is roughly 4 million a month between now and March, just to continue to provide housing services for the homeless in uh, Ireland. And I'm sorry to say this, but surely if that 15 million euro was taken and given directly towards homeless services rather than funding a charity that provides homeless services, maybe we'd get more homeless people off the street. Absolutely. I'm questioning, actually, if that's even legal to do that, yeah. to outsource uh, taxpayers' money to bail out a charity. I mean, it's one thing to bail out the banks, and I'm you know, I'm not even completely convinced that was lawful or legal, actually. Um, but, but I could see why the government would panic and do it in the UK. But to bail out an organisation, to give public money to a private organisation, I should imagine there would probably be eyebrows raised within parliament departments actually on that, because if you do it to one, of course, you set the precedent and then uh, people can come begging cap in hand and then mm -hmm. you don't know how the money's spent. You don't know where it's going. Uh, it, that's a very unusual and shocking story. And that does immediately I was thinking, does somebody's relative run that company? Mm. Somebody's sister-in-law's friend from down the road getting a kickback there. I mean, we've heard about, you know, Baroness Michelle Moan in the House of Lords, you know, with her fraudulent PPE contracts and what were granted and all the kickbacks that were given throughout the COVID crisis for PPE to pet, you know, mates and make people you went to school with and, and politicians' wives being in charge of track and trace and all of this stuff. So it does rather have the ring of that to it, but I'd have to have a closer look at the story to sort of garner more detail. But I, I'm not sure that's even legal to do that kind of thing and give public well, money away just like that. 
They're investigating. Uh, the story goes on to say here, this is a story that just broke this morning in the Irish Independent. So uh, they said that an undertaking had been given uh, that improved management and budgetary processes would be put in place. So I would have thought that that should have been the case right off the get-go. If you're starting up a charity that's managing people's donations or it's managing legacy money that's been given to you, surely you would have had the right governance in place at the beginning rather than letting things get to this stage. So two state regulators, uh, the charities regulator and the approved housing bodies regulatory authority are investigating financial and governance issues at one of the largest housing charities in the country, which gets more than 38 million in state funding in 2021 alone. So we're not talking about, you know, a small uh, local uh, outfit that's put up, you know, relying on community donations, you know, 10,000 euro here, 10,000 euro there. We're talking tens of millions of euros and we're talking about governance issues and we're talking about budgetary issues and certainly questions are being put over the top of that charity. Like I said, I don't have the exact details as to why this thing exactly has failed, but they're looking at uh, governance issues and financial uh, budgeting issues as well. And like I said, if you and I were in charge of a charity or we were trustees of a charity, you would like to think we have at least got our balance sheet down. Like your granny used to say, Gemma, we don't spend anything unless we've saved up for it. It's the same with charities. Have they been racking up debt? Uh, have they been operating outside of their means? Have they not been declaring this? I don't know, but it's a real hell of a mess to be in coming up to Christmas. And of course, the taxpayer is responsible for bailing them out, not uh, the government themselves per se. Yeah, I mean, I think it's another a wider issue of like we don't have any say about where our tax money is spent, uh, and that's the case all around the world. You know, we, we we pay our taxes. Lots and lots of people are not paying their taxes as much now. I have to say, um, and people are trying to kick back in the UK against council tax uh, because you know you can sit and look out onto your road with a pothole for five years, ask for it to be fixed. That's what your council tax money is supposed to do. Turns out a lot of council tax money is going to offshore accounts where it's 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 being used to pay off interest on other things if you you know people just are so blind to the kind of workings of local government national government but it's our it is our money and the older i get rick the more reactionary i get over this kind of thing when you're younger you're kind of having a good time and you go to work and you don't really think about how the world is run but so many people now are thinking about how the world is run myself included and you hand over your income tax and then your your stamp money your council tax your tax for this your tax for that and then you have no say whatsoever in where it ends up um and i think that you know the power does lie with us you know i was just thinking about our previous story about you know the mantra over the last three and a half years was protect the nhs to save lives uh, we should all turn up on mass outside downing street you know all 60 million of us of here in the uk and shout to them protect the nhs you know mm, turn the mm. tables back turn the tables back the only way unfortunately you can turn the tables back on this is not pay tax I'm not advocating that because, you know, that is a stressful thing and you get the tax man coming after you and you can go to prison for non-payment yeah. of tax because if one person does it, then everyone will do it. And that then the whole thing comes crumbling down. Um, but it's our money. We should have a say it in is. where it goes. And, you know, one last uh, uh, cursory lesson that needs to be learned about the non-payment of taxes. You remember the famous Chicago mobster Al Capone. Uh, who knows what he, how many deaths he was responsible for, how many uh, assassinations and embezzlement and extortion and fraud and gambling dens he was responsible for. They were never able to get him 
for any of those things. But when he finally went to Alcatraz, when he finally was sent to the rock, they caught him on tax evasion charges. So they audited his accounts. So yes, very good advice. Sage advice from you there, Gemma. And also, if you don't believe that and you want to be a, a martyr, uh, think about Al Capone. If they got Al Capone for tax evasion, trust me, just trust me on this. They'll get you too. They will get you to. You're not bigger than Al Capone. So anyway, not that you said we were, Gemma, but it's just a cursory lesson. We're not bigger than Al Capone. So uh, we're up to the half hour mark. Massive thank you to you. Uh, it was lovely talking to you for an actual little bit here this morning. We'll convene again tomorrow morning or reconvene at 9 a.m. as normal for Open Line. That's Gemma. She'll be back on with James Freeman in the next hour as well, uh, spreading more of her um, knowledge, wisdom and stories. Uh, so please stay Stay tuned. I'll be right back after this short news break here on uh, Locked and Loaded TNT. Don't go. What do they want? Exciting news. Brace yourself. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. One of the most influential state secretaries in American history, Henry Kissinger, has died at the age of 100. Another 16 hostages were freed from Gaza on Wednesday in exchange for another 30 Palestinians freed from Israeli prisons. Elon Musk has delivered a parting message to advertisers boycotting his social media site. And less than two years after first launching, TNT Radio is celebrating its 10 millionth podcast download. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Yeah, TNTradio.live. I am Rick Munn. This is Locked and Loaded. And I am, you know what? I'm flying solo for the next half an hour. It's been a little while since I've done it. And I'm not going to lie, I quite like doing it from time to time, just shooting the breeze and chewing the fat, talking to myself with the benefit of you people listening in as well. So hopefully you won't be put off by the proposition of listening to me talking to you straight to the camera for the next uh, 27 minutes. Anyway, I'll try and make it as entertaining as possible. A good time, actually. This is a benefit in a way uh, for me to have a quick gander at the live chat. Uh, I've been a big lover of our live chat function since it was introduced. I think it was introduced around about mm, September last year-ish. And, you know, it's been a great addition to our website, which is tntradio.live. A lot of people come on there. A lot of people are faithful on there. They leave comments right across the course of the day. And of course, they also leave uh, messages. You can message us directly, uh, any of the presenters directly on the contact submission forms on our website, which is tntradio.live. Just a quick shout out to some of the people that I'm looking at here this morning. Blotters is on there. UK Listener is on there, Madrid is on there, Mr. Moose, uh, Mogden, Red, uh, Dud is on there, um, Mazzy was on there earlier, Jack Guzzler, Cliffy, just a bloke who asks questions, look at the elephant in the room is another one, so many people on there leaving a lot of questions, uh, uh, comments amongst yourselves, and also for our benefit, so again, a massive thank you for that. Now, I was due to be joined this morning by Rob Hutchinson. He runs a fantastic website called Dear South Africa. And I could direct you towards that, if I may. Uh, there's a website address, which is dearsouthafrica.co.co. Uh, 
Z-A, and it's a great model that he has there. So whenever something's being done uh, in the UK that people don't like, one of the things that they tend to do is they'll try and get a petition going online. They'll try and get so many signatures on it. And when it reaches so many signatures, then it has to be debated in Parliament. But what Rob does is whenever those submissions are made to the South African government, everyone that would effectively have signed a petition has an email generated that has to go to the government and be acknowledged individually. So rather than having one petition signed by half a million people, put to the government, you would have half a million emails sent to the government that have to be individually acknowledged, which is fantastic. It really does throw a spanner in their works from an administration point of view, and they've had some great wins through the Dear South Africa website uh, over the last few years. Now, some of the things that are uh, happening at the minute while we're on the subject of South Africa, I might as well touch upon some of the things that are going on there at this point in time. Uh, NHI is to be pushed through to Ramphosa to be signed into law. Uh, the National Council of Provinces have passed a national health insurance bill at a sitting in Cape Town uh, just passed on Wednesday with backing from eight of the nine provinces. So lawmakers fail to consult adequately or take the concerns of numerous clinical bodies into account according to the South African Health Professionals Collaboration, which represents roughly 25,000 doctors. So the potential consequences of rushing through this bill without critical amendments are far-reaching and will deliver further to under or sorry will further undermine the country's ability to deliver quality health care to the very patients that it is seeking to protect. It says in a statement, and the bill, which was approved by National Assembly in June, will now be referred to President Ramaphosa, who can either send it into law or request lawmakers make an amendment to it. So, this is a classic example again, in South Africa of large groups of professionals in one particular area, in this case doctors, coming to the government to say, listen, you need to take this into consideration, you need to take this into account. And the government at that point have two choices. They can completely ignore the advice that's given, or they can actually take it on board and amend things before they're put into law. Now, another example of this happening if I can use the example of Wales recently, uh, there's been a 20 miles per hour speed limit introduced there, which is driving the Welsh insane on roads. It's extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult to drive at 20 miles per hour, but there's a blanket uh, uh, speed limit restriction happening, especially in residential areas and town areas. You can't go above 20 miles per hour. There was a huge backlash against this in Wales, huge backlash. So we had uh, over half a million people signed a petition to have this uh you know looked at at the very very least or overturned this was presented at the welsh parliament and mark drakeford uh, just simply dismissed it he just said listen you'll just have to get used to it and bear in mind more people signed that petition to have that policy overturned than actually voted for him at the last election in wales think about that this uh proposition that he made or this amendment that he made to the speed limit uh, got more negative response than he got positive response at his last uh, general election showing in Wales. So governments, 
for all the efforts that we make sometimes, for all the evidence that we can provide, understand that they don't necessarily take that into account or they don't necessarily take into account what's best for us. Of course, it's always what is best for them. Uh, also in South Africa, uh, talking about basic education laws, you know, what have we seen over the last few years in the world? We've seen education if you even want to call it education, it's usually indoctrination happening in schools put on pause, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but in terms of children's mental health, in terms of uh, social isolation, in terms of a lot of damage that have been done to kids' minds and routines over the last few years, it's been an unmitigated disaster. And nearly every school was closed across most of the world over the last two to three years at some point due to the so-called uh, COVID pandemic. Uh, and we're still dealing with the aftermath of that even as per right now. So a call for comment here uh, from Dear South Africa, the BELA bill, the Select Committee for Education uh, and Technology, Sports, Arts and Culture invites you to comment on the highly controversial Basic Education Laws Amendment Bill. So under this bill, listen to this, Parents could be jailed for up to 12 months if their children are truant from school or they're skiving off school or if they're not enrolled into a school when they reach school age. So the basic education amendment law also introduces a ban on corporal punishment in all schools. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. It means the teachers can't beat the kids anymore with sticks. Uh, it's the biggest education overhaul since the end of apartheid in 1994. Uh, the governing party, the African National Congress, says the bill will transform our education system to address historical and present challenges. However, the biggest opposition party, known as the Democratic Alliance, has condemned it, saying that it gives the state too much control over schools and will lead to the collapse of education. So there's a question for people that are listening in uh, at this point in time, I don't know if you can remember as far back as your school days or not. Some of us, it becomes more and more difficult to do with the passage of time. But if you skived off school, when I went to school, uh, you if you were caught, and you probably would because there was a roll call taken every day, your parents would be contacted. If they couldn't give an explanation as to why you weren't there, you could have been suspended from school or expelled from school, or in this case, got a little bit of corporal punishment, uh, beaten with sticks or uh, punched around, which is what some teachers were very fond of doing uh, in the schools that I attended to when I was younger, at least up until 1985. Uh, you know, teachers could beat you with sticks. They could give you a real thrashing in school for misbehavior, whether or not it happened or not. I think there was some sick sadists out there, quite frankly, in some of the schools that I went to, and they, they got off and beaten kids, and they knew they could do it, because if you went home and told your mum that you'd just been beaten by the teacher, usually they would ask, well, what for? Were you misbehaving? And then they would maybe uh, give you a slap as well. So it was grim for some people growing up in school, and in South Africa, they still have corporal punishment. I know there's been kids beaten to death beaten to death in Uganda and uh, Kenya, some of the places that I've been to by overzealous school teachers or sadistic uh, maniacs, I would call them. But yet these things happen and these things they're allowed to get away with. But what about the 12 months? What about 12 months jail for the parents of kids who truant from school? Is that a little bit excessive? Uh, do you think that's excessive? What if your kids were bunking off school and the next thing you got a knock on the door and it was two cops there saying, uh, uh, you're, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you can't say could be used against evidence against you in a court of law. What are you arresting me for, officer? 
well, your kids have been skiving out of school and you could be facing a 12 stretch uh, in some nasty prison somewhere because your kids are bunking off school. Is it too much? Will it bring parents in the line? Should parents take more responsibility for their children's behavior as well as their education? You know, that's up for debate. Uh, I'll throw that out to you guys in the live chat. And uh, just after the break, I'll get a look at maybe some of the things that you've been saying in there. And of course, continue to cover some of the other stories that are breaking here today on today's News Talk Radio TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. While the fiery images of mostly peaceful protests coming out of central Dublin over the weekend were disturbing, and although no one condones arson, property damage, and violence against police, it was good to see the Irish finally get their Irish up and direct their ire where it properly belongs, against their own government, which has been selling out the Irish people for decades now. What triggered the upheaval? The stabbing of a young woman and two little children, including a five-year-old girl who is still in hospital with life-threatening injuries, by a Muslim maniac who was, you guessed it, known to police. The guard had disarmed the man just last month after finding him with an illegal knife. They knew he was a problem and they did nothing to stop these attacks. Ireland is actively promoting its own destruction. It is committing suicide in exactly the same way the United Kingdom committed social suicide. The number one name for new boys in Galway last year, Mohammed for the first time ever. Ireland needs to get a hold of the fact that the enemy is within the gates and their own government are the ones that have opened the doors. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Are you ready to help your family get prepared for the unexpected? Here we go! Ladybug and Cat Noir know how important it is to be ready. Because you never know when Hawk Moth is going to strike or a disaster will hit. And you don't need miraculous powers. Just put those planning skills you already have to good use. Make a plan that will help you and your family be ready when emergencies happen. Ready Kids can help. Get started at ready.gov kids. This is Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Okay, I'm just having a look at some of the messages in the live chat. We were talking just before the break there about uh, new education laws that could be pushed through in South Africa, one of which is a 12-month prison sentence for parents potentially of uh, truanting kids. The other thing is the abolition of corporal punishment in schools. Uh, I'm having a look here at the chat. Blotter says it's obviously really important to keep kids in the indoctrination camps, uh, it's a good reason to get them out. Yes, 100%. Uh, ask yourself the question, why are they so hell-bent on making sure the kids are in that school as often as possible? And now why are they coming after the parents and threatening them with jail time if they're not in school? And I know a lot of people over the last two to three years, this has been a real revelation for them. Uh, whenever the scandemic was in full flow and the schools were shut down, you know, I can remember uh, from in my daughter's case, whenever she started her last school, they banged on and on about how important it was to be there every day, how important it was not to miss more than five or 10 days uh, a year of your school attendance. Because if you missed more than five to 10 days per year of school attendance, your grades would drop dramatically. And then they closed the place down back in March of 2020. And technically speaking, for some school kids, it was over a year, a year and a half before they were actually back in the classrooms again. So let me ask the question to the schools, how does that translate into performance? 
So if if a kid missing five to 10 days in a classroom environment is going to detrimentally affect their grades, then how much damage will 12 months do? How much damage will 18 months do, according to their logic, to the children's grades, let alone to the child's mental health? So a lot of people, the penny dropped on the homeschooling saw a, a, a big uptake over the last few years. But as Blotters has rightly said, it's important to keep those kids in the indoctrination camps. A good reason to keep them out of school. I agree 100%. And we did the same thing uh, with my daughter. We pulled her out of school uh, about a year into that. And, uh, you know, she let's just say this, her uh, grades improved when she stopped going to school. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Uh, Madrid says homeschooling. Jethro said, I'd be disappointed if I had kids and they didn't wag school and go off and have fun of their own. Yes, some of the best memories I have about school were actually skiving off school and going down to the local music shops in the town that I lived in and just sitting playing guitar uh, all day and thinking I would be disguised by simply removing my school tie. It was obvious to the shop owners who I was that I should have been in school, but you know what? They didn't say anything because they enjoyed me being around the place, so it's all good. Uh, Mr. Moose says schools are like prisons in the UK, 100%. And in fact, let me say this, if you go to prison in the UK, uh, even if you're in for murder, you still get an R for lunch or you still get an R for recreation. Most kids these days when you get 30 minutes for break and they only get 30 minutes for recreation. So you're actually better off in a prison in some cases. And you'll also get a better education in prison through university, open university programs or in-house lecturing than you would in some schools in the UK. So yes, point taken, uh, Mr. Moose, on that one. Uh, Holly says, I hate at school. Uh, parents would have been, should have been locked up for sending me there. Yeah, I had some pretty grim experiences myself, Holly, in uh, primary school in particular. Uh, secondary school wasn't so bad, she also says. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to read out which body parts of hers are about to freeze and drop off, but she says it's very cold and uh, it's snowing in Surrey. So you take care of yourself, Holly. But you know what? You should be active at this point in time. You should be up and down ladders and rolling paint on and off walls and wallpaper tables and all that. Make sure, just work a little bit harder, put a little bit more effort into that painting and decorating, and I'm sure you will warm up. Just a little bit of a joke there from me. Uh, Just a bloke who asked a question said, I'm glad I came out of teaching back in 1985. Even then, I regarded school as nothing but brainwashing. Yes, 1985 was the year I started uh, secondary school, and that's when things started to change a lot. Uh, I finished primary school in 85, started secondary school. So uh, just a bloke asked questions. Yeah, you came out of teaching in 85. So, you know, the penny dropped for you a very, very long time ago, and you were seeing it from the inside rather than what we're seeing as per right now. Uh, Blotter said, if the point was to make kids compliant to the system rather than them actually learning anything worthwhile, then they have succeeded. Yes. Uh, can you imagine the power of the repetition of the school day on a child's mind over the course of what, uh, seven years roughly in a primary school, you know, five to seven years in a secondary school. So most kids will do at least 12 years of uh, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, routine establishment, uh, following a curriculum, not being disruptive, not veering off the, the, the national curriculum, reading the books that they say you have to read, learning the formula that they say you have to learn. And then at the end of it, your future is determined to a degree 
by your ability to regurgitate the information that they have gave you to begin with, and then they will grade you on it accordingly. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, fail. So then your future could be dependent on your ability to regurgitate facts and figures from a curriculum that the government has set down for you rather than encouraging critical thought and critical thinking and entrepreneurship and common sense and logic and wisdom. You know, this stuff is not taught at school. Instead, you're told what languages you can learn. You're told what sciences you can do. You're told what economics you'll learn, what geography, what history you will be taught. They'll decide what history you learn. You will be in decision of that. And at the end of it, you'll be graded on what they have taught you, not what you have learned yourself. Incredible. So that's a very, very good point. Uh, there are blotters uh, that if the point was to make kids compliant to the system rather than them actually learning anything, then they have succeeded. Amen to that one. Um, Buzz says, yes, it's all about indoctrination. And uh, Madrid has also left a link through to uh, the Sa Simeon Boykov, Omar Khan, Lembit Opic show. Yes, that's another thing, by the way, folks. If and a uh, uh, big congratulations, by the way, to TNT Radio. Uh, I just saw on the clip there this morning, just saw the news this morning that we've reached 10 million downloads on our podcasts, or, or not our podcasts, but our, our, our episodes, call them what you like, or sessions that we're doing here live. They're live news sessions, but uh, some people call them by different things. So 10 million, so that's incredible. So there's a link through here to another show that was on uh, with Lembit Opic. And uh, if you do miss a show, and it's uh, from somebody that you were looking forward to hearing, maybe a special guest, or there's a presenter that you're particularly fond of, maybe in the middle of the night, there's some great American presenters on there, by the way, if you haven't checked out uh, Hervoye Morich, uh, he has a show that's on like really late at night UK time. Most people in the UK maybe don't get to hear that guy. He's absolutely fantastic. He's uh, based in uh, Mexico. He's been with TNT now since around about March of last year. Uh, also, um, let me think, Misty Winston's show. I'm just thinking more about the American people that maybe you people don't know Know about because you'll be in bed at the time. Misty Winston has a fantastic show on uh, every night as well. And also uh, the State of the Nation show, which is Steve Hook, and also uh, Hesher, uh, who is Brian McLean. Those are just a few names off the top of my head. I'm not promoting them directly, but what I'm saying is they've great content and you maybe don't get to see them because you're sleeping or you're out doing other things. So a veal of our uh, back catalogs. You can go onto our website, tntradio.live. You can go onto Spotify. You can go onto Apple Music. You can simply search for your favorite presenter and you can listen to their shows on the go. Uh, so you can listen to them as you work or as you're out walking or maybe even as you're driving your car. And trust me, have a browse around. Uh, you'll find people that you didn't even know existed. You'll find some fantastic interviews on there from people you guessed that you didn't even know existed. And it might uh, broaden your listening. Uh, a little bit more here in TNT. So a big salute uh, to um, uh, the, the the crew, the TNT crew. And I'm not just talking about the people that are on camera now or on the airwaves. There's a huge amount of people working uh, behind the scenes to make this all work. I'm thinking about uh, Mike and Jenny. I'm thinking about uh, the people that are you know sponsoring the work that we're doing. I'm thinking about the guys in the studio. I'm thinking about the audio people, the visual people, the the the, the tech people doing the website. Everything. It's a huge operation. So massive uh, thanks to all of them and a big round of applause 
virtual TNT round of applause to ourselves uh, on the 10 million downloads. Uh, some other, uh, yeah, somebody else has actually uh, made a, a comment here. Uh, Madrid said that that was actually him on the uh, Lembidopic show. That's great, Madrid. Uh, and also our lines are open in the morning too. Listen, guys, you don't have to use the things that we provide. It's it's personal choice. But what I'm saying is it's great to have the option to call us in the morning times, especially during the open line shows with me and Natalie uh, between 9 and uh, 9.20. The lines would be open until 10 a.m. UK time. You can give us a call and just vent if you need to or just leave your thoughts, expressions and opinions. It's up to you. But the, the options there and the facilities there so you can use it. Uh, Blotter said, have to download her voice every day. Yes, he's a fantastic talker, uh, super knowledgeable, uh, and you're availing of that, which is great. Uh, just a bloke who asked questions says, pleased to see the rise in forest schools teaching children life skills. Yes, uh, life skills, my friend, are much, much needed within schools, but uh, you don't really get to get a GCSE in critical thinking or a GCSE in you know how to manage money or a GCSE in common sense or a GCSE in courtesy or a GCSE in having just bloody manners that you can navigate your way through life without hacking everybody off and actually further yourself a little more by just being a good human being. So you know what? Uh, we're nearly up to time here already. Uh, the, this last half hour has just flown in. I had about 15 news stories that I was going to blitz through, but uh, I've only got covering about one or two of them. I prefer to interact with people. I prefer to read what you're writing, and I prefer to feed off of the things that you guys are saying. So please uh, accept my uh, sincere thanks, because as I say, since we've shifted to this new platform, I don't get to delve into the live chat as much as I do uh, because I'm looking at cameras and I'm reading other texts and I'm just a simple guy, just a simple guy. So multitasking is not something I'm great at, but it's been an absolute blast here. Uh, this morning to be able to get you guys uh, caught up with you guys here on the live chat. Uh, downloads are up because TNT schedule is all over the place. Yeah, uh, I don't know what, uh, I don't have any control over scheduling or planning. I just weigh in for my shift and when it's over, I get off. So I know, listen, it's a huge undertaking the guys have in TNT radio. Remember this folks, we're working with people right across the world we're all in different time zones. Uh, some people have, you know, personal things that they have to take care of, or some people get sick. Uh, we're juggling things all the time. Rob this morning from South Africa was supposed to be beaming in his internet field. So therefore my guest didn't weigh in. So sometimes we just have to go on the hoof. So your patience is also very much appreciated. It's not an easy task running a global online radio station and I have nothing but respect for the guys that do it by it's I couldn't do it. I wouldn't want to do it. Uh, to be honest, it's not something that I would be cut out for. So I have nothing but respect for Mike and Jenny and uh, Murray in the studio and uh, Cam who will be on tomorrow and Dave in the back room and all the visual guys. It's not a job that I could do and it's not a job that I would want to do. So please understand it's not just a press a button and it all comes together seamlessly here in TNT. It's a very, very uh, delicate operation, but we're always refining. We're always fine tuning. And like me, myself, Rick Munn, I am just a work in progress. Hopefully we get better 
day by day. Uh, yes, a few more comments. I'm loving these comments. I could just sit, to be quite frank with you, for an hour and talk to you guys in the live chat. Uh, mutual Appreciation Society, yes, you should have opened the call lines, Rick. Well, yeah, you know what? With the benefit of hindsight, uh, maybe I should, but feel free to give us a call tomorrow morning. Thank you for that comment, Blotters. Uh, Red says TNT Radio is a splendid achievement so far. Yes, many thanks for that. And also Blotter says, I'm not complaining, Rick. I love, yes, I know you're not complaining, but sometimes people gripe a little bit, but they don't get what is involved behind the scenes. I wasn't having a go at you, Blotters. I know uh, you're a big fan of the station and you've said you've got the T-shirt, the tote bag and the bumper sticker. Holly says, I'm improving with age. Just a bloke says, looking forward to TNT being available for wireless. So I still have uh, access when the internet is shut down. Me too. Uh, if that happens, my friend, I am out of a job. So I need to look at alternatives as well. Listen, woo, time is up. Uh, if there's one thing I can do, it's talk. Thank God. And uh, it's uh, almost time for the shift to finish. So I'll be back again tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. with Natalie. James Freeman's incoming here on TNT Radio. Don't go away. It's been a blast. Thank you all for your thoughts, comments, and opinions. Have a great day. I'm Rick Munn. Over and out.